right. Will you please stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark 7, we're going to be reading beginning at verse number 14. Mark 7, verse 14. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. This is God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and sufficient word. Lord, we ask your blessing upon your word. Use it now to transform our hearts in a very special and unique way so that we would would be clean on the inside and pleasing to you, and vessels fit for your use. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Every day in America, there are countless people who go to the doctor for a routine checkup only to end up discovering that they have a cancer growing inside of them that threatens to end their lives. Some of you even here this morning have walked that very road. Some of us here this morning will walk that very road. And we don't even know it yet. The American Cancer Society estimates that in 2021, that's this year, there will be a total of 1.9 million new cases of some form of cancer. And over 600,000 of those cases will be terminal. That means that, when you do the math, that over 1,600 people in America every day will die this year because of some form of cancer. Most of whom didn't even realize they were sick until it was too late. One Disease Research Institute here in America says this, quote, Most types of cancer, aside from skin cancer, are discovered either when the tumors start causing symptoms or grow large enough to become visible on an X-ray or MRI. 
By the time cancer gets to this point, it is much more difficult to treat and is likely to have spread beyond the site of origin. By the way, we don't mind kid noise in this church. We don't, we don't mind baby. We love baby noise. We love kids' noise, so don't, don't worry. Don't worry. I have four kids of my own, three of which are under 13, and I know all about noise. It's great. I love to hear it. You see, cancers are so deadly because you can seem okay on the outside while being consumed from within. The danger is internal. It is invisible until it's too late. And by the time we recognize what it is, it has got us on our way to the grave. And friends, that really is the point of our text that we read this morning from Mark chapter 7, where after Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and the scribes for being so concerned with the outside, with the external stuff like, like the ritual washing of hands in the first you know, 13 verses, hands, cups, and pots. Well, now Jesus identifies the real threat, the real problem, and it is the sinful human heart. That's what's so dangerous for us this morning. And so we need sort of a, a divine MRI, if you will. The divine MRI of God's Word to penetrate through all the externals and discover that cancer of sin that is eating us alive on the inside. Friends, we all have it. And that's exactly what this passage does for us today. All the while implicitly pointing us beyond our, our appearance of righteousness, our appearance of spirituality on the outside, points us beyond all that to the gospel of Jesus Christ, who, which is the only cure for the sinful human heart. So I want us to look at this passage together and notice, first of all, that the sinful heart is a universal problem. It's universal. Verse 14 says, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. So I want you to feel a little better about that chocolate cake or that pizza that you ate last night. There's nothing outside of a person that goes into him that can defile him, Jesus said, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. You see, in the first half of this chapter, the first 13 verses of Mark 7, Jesus was speaking only to the self-righteous scribes and the Pharisees, the keepers of the law, the doctors of the law. And they were upset because his disciples didn't go through the whole ritual hand washing, you know, before they ate food. But now he turns away from the scribes and the Pharisees. He's no longer talking to them. And he's talking to the crowd. 
calls the people. And he says, hear me, all of you, and understand. You see, in Matthew's account of this episode, the Gospel of of Matthew, after Jesus said that the real human problem is not the outside but the inside, Matthew says in chapter 15 of his gospel that the disciples said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? So his twelve come up to him and say, Master, do you realize who you just offended? You offended the Pharisees. You see, friends, self-righteous people don't want to hear the truth about themselves. Right? They don't want to hear that the same sin of the tax collector, which so they, they so eloquently condemn, the same sin of the prostitute, the same sin of the drunkard, also resides in their hearts as well. And when Jesus begins to bring their attention to this reality, they don't want to hear it anymore, and so he turns away. And he puts his focus on the crowd. And he says to the crowd, hear me, all of you, and understand. See, the sinful human heart is a truth about everybody that nobody wants to accept. Indeed, this is why the doctrine of total depravity is so widely rejected by many in the church today. Nevertheless, the testimony of Scripture is clear. Listen to these verses. Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not, he's not saying that his mother conceived him sinfully. He's saying that that was how he was conceived. His nature was sinful from conception. Job 15, verse 14. What is man that he can be pure, or he who was born of a woman that he can be righteous? Job says, is it even possible for someone born of a woman to be righteous? Romans 3.10, Paul answers Job's question. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Romans 3.23, there is no distinction, for all have sinned. It doesn't matter if you're white, black. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're Jewish, if you're an aboriginal, American, Canadian, Puerto Rican. There is no distinction, Paul says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We are all equal at the cross. But this is an an uncomfortable truth that we are resistant to hear, but we all need to hear. The self-righteous reject it and the self-sufficient ignore it. But what about you today, friends? Are you willing to hear what Christ is saying to us through His Word this morning? Are you willing to be one of those whom He says, Hear me, all of you, and understand? 
that there is within each of us a resident evil that stands in fallen opposition to a holy God. A cancer of sin growing inside of us that we do not want to acknowledge. Are we willing to acknowledge that this morning, friends? Hear me, all of you. This is a universal problem. Secondly, the sinful heart is an internal problem. It is inside of us. Look at verse 17. And when he had entered the house and left the people, so now he's, so there's a progression here. He's talking to the scribes and Pharisees earlier. Then he's talking to the entire crowd. And now he's left the people and gone inside a house. And his disciples come to him and they said, they asked him about the parable in verse 17. And and then Jesus begins to speak to his disciples and and they just seem to be as confused as ever. (laughs) Verse 18, he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? The Pharisees and scribes don't get it. The people, they don't really get it. But you guys, are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, so Jesus has already linked defilement with heart, right? It enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. The original language there indicates, you know, that it it goes into the toilet. And then Mark says at the end of verse 19, Thus he declared all foods clean, and he said, what comes out of a person, that is what defiles him, not what goes in. So so you have these Pharisees who are concerned with these Old Testament food laws that we can can read about them in Genesis 11. I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 11, where we're told what's clean and what's unclean and what the Jews could eat and what they couldn't eat. And many of them were so careful to observe these food laws that were given to them to set them apart and to uniquely define them as the people of God. But in the new covenant, in Christ, all of those ethnic and all those ceremonial aspects of the law that we find so unfamiliar, they were fulfilled in Christ. And the new covenant people of God, that's you and me, by by the way, We are defined not by food laws, by what we eat or what we don't eat, or how we perform rituals of hand washing or whatever. We are defined not by any of that. We are defined by our union with Christ. That's what Mark means by that parenthetical little insert there where he says, thus he declared all foods clean. But friends, all those dietary and all those ceremonial regulations in the Old Testament that seem so weird to us today, they always pointed beyond themselves. 
They pointed beyond themselves to a greater reality, that there is something terribly wrong inside of us. We just can't appear before a holy God the way we are or however we want to. They pointed beyond themselves to to the reality that we need a Savior who can do what ritual, what ceremony, and what regulation can never do, and that is change our hearts. You see, the source of the human problem is not food. It's not candles. It's not the way we worship. The source of the human problem is nothing out there, but it is right here inside of us. And this is a very difficult truth for most to understand. That's why Jesus says to his disciples, do you guys still not get this? We don't want to understand it. We don't want to accept it because we are masters at self-justification. We blame everything else instead of admitting that the problem is us. Listen to the Puritan pastor and theologian John Owen in his book, The Mortification of Sin. He says this, We cannot go forward unless we recognize the plague of our own hearts. It is to be feared that too many do not realize the enemy that they carry about within them in their hearts. This makes them ready to justify themselves, to be impatient when they are reproved or admonished. They do not begin to realize the danger that they are Owen says, our greatest enemy is not outside. They don't carry a gun. They don't have a certain look about them. Our greatest enemy is here, and we can't even see it. It's invisible. The self-righteous scribes and the Pharisees didn't accept the reality of their sinful hearts. The disciples didn't understand it. And friends, neither do we today. Our hearts deceive us. You've heard this phrase, right? Follow your heart. Don't ever follow your heart, friend. Don't ever do that. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. It is the biggest liar in the universe. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? You see, we don't even realize that even our good works are often mixed with false motives, right? If you don't believe me, just volunteer to do something around the church and let it go unrecognized. Do something at home for your spouse and let them just ignore it. Even our good works are corrupted by false, self-seeking motives. And then we see sins like murder. We see the rape of individuals, or we see child molestation. I don't know about you guys, but every time on my phone, when one of those amber alerts pop up, my heart just cringes. What is going to happen to this child? 
And we think to ourselves, we say, well, I would never be capable of such an act. But friends, when we say that, we are denying the very thing that Jesus is teaching here. That the human heart, that thing beating inside of us, not the one that pumps blood, but the essence of our being, our mind, our will, our emotions, who we are as a person, the human heart is the soil of every form of depravity. The seeds of the most wicked of impulses may lie dormant in our hearts, or they may be restrained by common grace. But make no mistake, friends, the root of evil that is in the pedophile's heart lives in ours also. Let that sit on you for a moment. Let that dismantle all notions of self-righteousness. The evil of a thousand Hitlers is in the heart of every person in this building. And if we deny that, then we are denying the reality of what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. J.C. Ryle, the 19th century Anglican preacher, bishop, that I so often quote, he says this, We have within us the very beginning of every sin under heaven. You see, you're probably thinking today, my goodness, I'm not very encouraged. But friend, it is not my job as your pastor to give you a pep talk to make you feel better about yourself until next Sunday. There are plenty of preachers online who will do that for you. My job is to warn us of this horrible cancer within and to point us to Jesus Christ who is the only cure <laughs> for the disease of self that eats away at our souls every single day of our lives. We must acknowledge the dangerous root of sin in our hearts. And so now we come to the last point this morning, the last main thought, that the sinful heart, yes, it is a universal problem, yes, it is an internal problem, but now... Jesus brings it closer to home. It is a personal problem. By personal, I mean that the sin dwelling in our hearts doesn't stay in our hearts. It manifests itself in a variety of actual sins. So sin becomes sins. Look at verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, Jesus says, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, 
envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. It's not the pot, right? It's not the pot that you that you eat out of or wash with. It's not the hands or the cup that you drink out of like the Pharisees were all concerned about. No, it's the heart. That is what defiles us. You see, Jesus gives us these, these, these sins. These are, these are real life manifestations of our sinful hearts. Perhaps as I read through those, as we read through them together earlier in the text, you thought of individuals who you know that succumb to these sins. Or maybe it's you yourself. You see, sometimes we have, we we tend to have this nebulous or this undefined idea of sin. And, 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 and we'll admit, yes, we're sinners. We're all sinners. Everybody's a sinner, right? But we rarely identify the personal, actual sins in our lives. It's easy to say, well, yeah, I'm a sinner. But how so? In what way are we sinning? This is how our heart deceives us into self-righteousness. And Jesus gives us a list of vices here. It wasn't uncommon in this culture for teachers to give what they call a vice list that emerge from our sinful hearts and they take shape in everyday life. There are actually 13 in all, but please, friends, don't try to read anything into the number 13 there. In Matthew's account of this teaching, he only lists seven sins. So it's just a number. Well, there are a couple of things about this list in verse 20, verse 21 and 22 that I want to point out. Number one, it is bookended by evil thoughts in verse 20 and foolishness in verse 22, at the end of verse 22. What does that mean? Interesting that Jesus would start with evil thoughts, but somehow end in foolishness. You know, what I say to my children all the time, that's enough foolishness. I think we have a diminished view of foolishness. He's showing us that what begins as hidden, secret thoughts in the privacy of our own minds and the privacy of our hearts ends where? In foolishness. What is foolishness in the Bible? It is the total denial of God. Psalm 53 verse 1, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. You want to see what foolishness looks like? Look at atheism. That's foolishness. And Jesus says foolishness is the end result of those little evil thoughts that we entertain every single day of our lives. We hear all the time these days about professing Christians. You know, even I've mentioned them from here at the pulpit in my messages, even pastors and Christian leaders who are deconverting from Christianity and they, they're renouncing Christ altogether. Every time I read one of their stories, I just kind of shake my head. 
And I walk away thinking, what foolishness. Because that's what it is. To renounce Christ. To deny God. To exchange the truth of God for a lie. It's nothing but pure foolishness. The only thing you can do is just shake your head and walk away from it. That is the danger of the sinful human heart. This progression from evil thought to the total denial of God. The second thing about these sins here in these verses is vice list, if you will. Notice this, is that we can actually commit them all right inside the privacy of our own hearts. Every single thing in verses 21 to 22 can be done inside the privacy of our own hearts. While the outside still looks clean, you see, you don't actually, you don't actually have to go to bed with someone to commit adultery. Am I getting too real this morning? Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 28, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. Where? In his heart. The target is always the heart. Do we have any adulterers in here this morning? Yes, we do. We're all adulterers at heart. You don't have to stab somebody in, with a knife to be a murderer, do you? 1 John 3.15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. You hate anyone this morning? God says you're a murderer. All of these sins, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all of these can happen right here while looking holy and righteous on the outside to everybody else. Friends, here's the reality. Your spouse may not know the lustful thoughts you think about someone else. Your friend with the nicer house and the newer car may not know the jealous and envious thoughts that you think toward them. That other church member may never hear the slanderous words you've said about them in your mind. And young people, your parents may never know all the rebellious thoughts that you've had in your heart toward them. But God knows all of it. Psalm 44, 21. God knows the secrets of the heart. Do you have secrets here this morning in your heart? Let me answer that for you. Yes, we all do. And see, here's the danger of what we do. This is is how deceitful the heart is, friends. We read this list of 13 sins in Mark 7, and we think, well, let me make sure I don't have any of these behaviors in my life, and I'll be okay. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not slandering anyone. I'm not stealing anyone. I certainly haven't murdered anyone. You know, I, I try my best to cancel out every thought that comes into my mind. I mean, 
Paul tells us that in the Corinthians, right? To take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I try to do that. But see, that's what the Pharisees did. They treated this like a checklist. But Jesus is not giving us a checklist of things not to do. Friends, that's moralism. That will lead you to hell. Jesus is showing us that just because these sins are not evident on the outside, it doesn't mean they're not resident on the inside. And what we need is not behavior modification. We don't need behavior rehabilitation. We need transformed hearts that only come through the gospel. The gospel of Jesus does this for us. That the one true and living God, not all these other gods out there that people are talking about today, not the gods of other false religions, the ones that we know aren't real. (laughs) The one true and living God is dangerously holy. He is infinitely offended by our sin, and there is absolutely nothing that we can do to remove the hostility between us and Him. There's no good works. There's no moral life. There's no conservative values. There's no amount of personal sacrifice that can satisfy the sin debt that we owe. But the eternal Son of God, who speaks to us from this passage this morning, he came, and this is, one of the, this is one of the major thoughts in the Gospel of Mark. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's us. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance. <laughs> and he says to us today, hear me, all of you, and understand. He calls us to acknowledge our need of new hearts, to look on Him in repentance and faith. And so, friends, I want to plead with you this morning. Let's just be honest. Right there where you're you're at, where you're sitting. You You don't have to get up and come up here. You don't have to come shake my hand. You deal with God where you are right now. But let's be honest and say, yes, You know what? My life is pretty clean on the outside. But my heart is filled with vice. My heart is Mark 7, 21 and 22. And whether it's self-righteousness, or whether it's judgmentalism, or whether it's a critical spirit, or whether it's one of the sins that he mentions here in these verses, or whether it's one of the sins that he doesn't mention in these verses, we need to come to terms with the deceitful sinfulness of our human fallen hearts. And one of the reasons that I... One of the reasons I love the Puritans, you guys know I quote from them often, And one of the reasons why is because they make no effort to disguise the ugliness of the sinful human heart. Forget what you've seen on TV about the Puritans. Just forget it. It's not true. As a matter of fact, forget what you've seen on TV just about anything. 
Puritans call the sinful human heart, they call it the dark guest. (laughs) I want to read a few lines of a prayer written by some unknown Puritan. I don't know his name. Nobody knows his name. I'm going to read a few lines of a prayer that I find myself praying a lot. O Lord, bend my hands and cut them off, for I have often struck you with a wayward will when these fingers should embrace you by faith. Let me not only speak the word sin, but see the thing itself. Give me to view a discovered sinfulness, to know that my sins, though they are crucified, they are never wholly, fully mortified. Hatred, malice, ill will, pride that hungers and hunts after man's approval and applause. They are all crucified. They are all forgiven, but they rise again and again in my sinful heart. Oh, my crucified but never fully mortified sinfulness. Oh, my lifelong damage and daily shame. Oh, my indwelling and besetting sins. Oh, the tormenting slavery of a sinful heart. Destroy, O oh God, the dark guest within those within my being whose hidden presence makes my life a hell. Yet you have not left me here without grace. The cross (laughs) still stands and meets my needs in the deepest straits of the soul. Bring afresh, O God, into my mind the remembrance of your great help, of your support from heaven, of the great grace that saved such a wretch as I am. A sinful human heart is the dark guest that is present with us everywhere we go. It's present with us when we're falling asleep in church. It's present with us when we're watching television at home at night. It's present with us when we're at work, when we're in class, at school. Oh, friends, let us abandon the dark guest. Let us abandon all self-righteousness and all self-sufficiency and run into the open arms of Jesus Christ this morning who can alone transform that dark guest within our sinful hearts. Let's pray.